Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Today we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3, so if you have your Bible or your app, you can turn there with me. Exodus chapter 3, today is called Called Out. Called Out. Look at somebody next to you say, you're getting called out. So Exodus chapter 3, as you're turning there, I'll give us just a little bit of context. This is about the story of Moses and the, the historical context of when God speaks to Moses in this passage of Scripture that's familiar to a lot of us, is that the entire nation of Israel has been held captive as slaves to Egypt now for hundreds of years. There is oppression, there is slavery that's generations and generations and generations deep, and these, these Israelites who are slaves have been crying out for generations and generations and generations, saying, God, we are your chosen people. Please free us. We're being oppressed. Please free us. And God is about to do something about that. And so in Exodus chapter 3, starting in verse 1, it says this. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off of your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground." And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. I thank you that your word illuminates our path. I thank you that your word speaks directly to our heart, that it is living and active and powerful. And so, God, as we explore your word today, God, I pray that you would speak to us, that we would hear your voice clearly, and we would respond to the call that you have on our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A couple months ago, I was able to perform a wedding for a young man who attends this church. His family attends this church. And he grew up in the youth ministry here at DCC. And I was a youth pastor here for a while. And so uh, I had the privilege of being his youth pastor for a long time. And I always love that opportunity. I love getting to perform weddings for former students. Um, it makes me feel really old and really privileged all at the same time. Um, and, and so, you know, I got to do this wedding. It was a June 
June wedding. It was in the summer. It was very warm outside, and it was an outdoor wedding. And so before the ceremony started, in this really nice square courtyard-type place with all of these buildings and businesses around it, um, I was sitting in a little coffee shop right off of where the ceremony was going to take place. It was open for business that day, sitting in this coffee shop with the groom and all of the groomsmen and, uh, you know, just kind of joking around, keeping things light. That's kind of what I try to do during weddings, um, you know, because it, stress has a tendency to kind of creep in there. So I just try to keep everything light. We're just talking. All of a sudden, it's time for the groomsmen to go take their places. And so I find it's just me and the groom sitting in this coffee shop in some comfortable chairs. And I'm just, you know, we're just talking about old times. We're talking about crazy youth group adventures that we went on. We talked about shooting each other with paintball guns. We talked about road trips and all kinds of fun stuff, just trying to, just trying to have a good time. And as we're talking and just kind of joking around a little bit, I remember that there's a part of my ceremony that I wanted to ask him about, right? Because I've known him for a long time. Our family's known him for a long time. And there's this, this nickname that we call him that's a little, like, childish. And so I wanted to ask if it was okay if I use his nickname during the ceremony. Um, I didn't want to sell this guy out. You know, I, the last thing you want to do is embarrass somebody at their own wedding. And so I knew that there were going to be people that he worked with that were at this wedding and all kinds of stuff. And so I said, listen, I, I will not do this if you don't want me to, but I have written in my notes for this ceremony just to kind of, you know, add some humor. I, I want to call you by this nickname that we call you and his family called him. And he said, you know, I, I don't care. It's fine. I'm pretty sure that I could have asked him anything. His mind was a million miles away at that moment because he's, he's getting ready to get married. You know what I mean? And so I'm not sure if he really fully recognized and, you know, had the, you know, the skills to really process that question. He said, he said I think his exact quote was, whatever, whatever you feel like is best, that's fine. That's fine. I said, okay. All right, good. <laughs> Sucker. Um, but... And then I said this to him because I wanted to make sure that he had the option to opt out of me using this really embarrassing nickname for him until the last possible second. So I looked at him and I said this. I said, listen, if at any point you change your mind, if at any point you don't want to do that, right, you just let me know and, and we'll, you know, I won't. Right? I said, you even have, and I pointed out the window to where the ceremony was going to take place in just a few moments. People had already gathered, and I mean, the music is playing, and we're about to walk out there. I said, you have until we get down there, and I pointed to, you know, basically the altar. I said, you can get all the way to the altar, and, and then if you change your mind up until that moment, well, you know, that, that's fine. You can, we won't do it. And then we started talking about some other stuff. I didn't even think about it. There was this woman who was having coffee and enjoying her time looking out the window at all of the ceremony that was about to take place. And she was having coffee with what I assume was maybe her teenage daughter. And she turned around in her chair, 180 degrees to face us. It's none of her business. Like, we were not talking to her. I didn't invite her in on a conversation. You know people like that? They just invite themselves. Like, it's a standing invitation to talk to you about whatever they want to talk about. So she turned around to me after he and I had already moved on to a different topic, a different subject, she looked at me and she said, well, that's really great advice to give the groom on his wedding day, right? And I speak sarcasm like a first language, and I have like the championship belt in being passive aggressive. So I caught on right away with where she was going. She really was not complimenting me, right? And so I'm trying to figure out what this lady's upset about. What in the world did I say to this groom to offend her so badly that she had to butt into our conversation on my man's wedding day? What in the world? And then it, it hit me. It all made sense. I realized that she did not hear the first part of our conversation at all. And I realized that she only heard the part of our conversation that started with the pastor, the minister, leaning over to tell the groom, if you change your mind at any time today, <laughs> you have until you get to the altar to say, 
I don't want to do this. And that's fine. And so this woman, in all her good intentions, calls me out because she thinks I'm telling him that if he gets cold feet, to ditch the bride at the altar and run as fast as you can. Don't look back, right? And so it wasn't necessarily all her fault. And when I explained the whole thing to her, she kind of chuckled. We kind of chuckled. She turned around. She still had all that judgment on her face. You know what I'm talking about? Like, she did not really believe me. Uh, So maybe she believed me after she saw all of the ceremony take place. But this woman called me out in public for anybody else to hear. You ever been called out? You ever done something and somebody call you out? Or have you ever called somebody else out? It is not all that exciting of a moment. If you're doing something wrong, if you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, and somebody calls you out on it. And I believe that there are times in our lives when God calls us out, when we are doing something that is not healthy for us, that's not within the plan that God has for us, that are not matching the expectations that God has for our lives. And I think that he can reveal that to us in so many different ways. He can reveal that to us through his word or through a sermon or or somebody that's trusted in our lives that has a great relationship with God, calling us out a little bit and saying, listen, you're not living up to the standard that I know God has for your life. He won't use some random person at a coffee shop, I promise you, but he will sometimes use some of the people that we trust and some of the people that he speaks through. But I also believe that God calls us out at times when we follow Jesus, when we're not doing anything wrong. And when I say calls us out, I don't mean in a negative way. I mean, there's some times in our lives that we're walking the path that we think is the right path for our lives. And then all of a sudden, there's a moment when God calls us to something different, calls us to something new, calls us to something deeper in our relationship with him that's going to require a step of faith. And that's what we see Moses encountering in this moment that we get to read about, is that Moses is minding his own business. He is just shepherding some sheep out in the wilderness, and all of a sudden, God shows up in a burning bush and calls him out and lays out this plan that is much different than the plan that Moses had expected for his life. And I just wonder, have any of you ever found yourself in that place in life where you are minding your own business? You're doing your own thing. Maybe you're even doing the right thing. And you feel like, you know, you're just kind of trodden along and everything is all right. And then all of a sudden, there's something that happens. God gets your attention somehow. Maybe it's in church. Maybe it's through a conversation with a friend. Maybe it's a psalm. Maybe it's through God's word. Maybe it's because of his still small voice speaking to you in a, in a quiet time in the morning. But God gets your attention. He calls you out. And your life is never the same after that moment. Because when God comes to us, and calls us out of where we think we should be into where he wants us to go, there is only a choice that we get to make. And the choice that we get to make is yes or no. Obey or disobey. And so Moses is faced with this choice because God is very specific. God is very plain in what he's asking Moses to do. Moses is faced with do I say yes or do I say no? God is asking me to do something huge Do I obey or do I disobey? Now, can we be real this morning? Can we just be honest? Like, if I'm Moses, all logic and reason tells me to run, right? Because you have to think of the implications of this ask from God to Moses. Moses is being called out. He's minding his own business. He's doing his own thing. All of a sudden, God shows up and says, listen, Moses, you're the guy. 
You're the guy that I'm choosing to go over and talk to the king of Egypt and have a conversation with him and tell him, inform him that I'm telling you to tell him to let the Israelites go. Now, at that time, scholars estimate that there were close to 2.5 million Israelites living as slaves in Egypt. The Israelites were the workforce in Egypt. They were building literally the environment. They were building things. They were building the economy. It was the life of Egypt was slave labor. And so it is this huge, huge call from God to say to Moses, go and just talk with Pharaoh and tell him all of these people, you're going to let them go with me and we're going to take off to this amazing promised land that God set up because this is God's chosen people. Reality and logic say, run. Don't do that. That's crazy. That's never going to work. It's impossible. There's no way that that's going to go down the way that God thinks that it's going to go down. It's insane. But we know If you flip a few pages or you scroll over a little bit, you realize that Moses ends up reluctantly, but he ends up saying yes. What in the world would compel somebody like Moses standing there after minding his own business, being called out by God to do something so huge and so much bigger than anything he's capable of? What would compel him to say yes? Why would he agree to do what God is asking him to do in that moment? What gave him the courage? How did he have the boldness to do this? And I think that uncovering the answer to that question, the why behind the yes for Moses, I think that can show us so much about our own lives. I think that that can show us how we can build our faith so when God comes to us and asks us and calls us out to do big things for him, we'll have the faith to say yes, just like Moses said yes. So what in the world made Moses say yes? And I just wonder if maybe, just maybe, Moses, deep down, even though that plan seemed insane, even though it seemed crazy, even though it was huge and on the surface, there's no way that it's going to work. Maybe Moses, deep down, wanted to be called out to be a part of God's plan. You got to think about where Moses is in his life. He's herding some sheep. He's a shepherd. He's wandering around in the wilderness. And all of a sudden, this amazing encounter happens with God. But his life up until that moment is pretty, in this place in his life, seems like it's probably pretty mundane. It seems like it's probably just the routine and the rut. It seems like it's probably pretty uneventful, and let's be really honest, it might even get a little boring for him at times. And so maybe Moses is just thinking, well, this is what my life is going to be from now on. I'm going to work for my father-in-law, I'm going to take care of these sheep, and I'm just going to kind of wander around, that's it. You know, this is my life now, this is what it is. And so maybe when God shows up in a burning bush, it starts speaking to Moses. Maybe it just connects with something inside of Moses that is inside of us as well because God never designed us as humanity to be satisfied with boring, mundane lives. God has not hardwired us. God has not designed us or created us to be okay with just getting into a rut and doing the normal thing and being mundane and being bored all of our lives lives. There is a deep desire in our soul, just like there was a deep desire in Moses' soul, to know that he's not forgotten out there in the wilderness and to be invited into something bigger than himself. You see, God created all of us to be a part of something so much bigger than just us. 
God has designed you and placed in your life, in your heart, into your soul, this desire to want to be a part of something that is so vast and so big and so far-reaching that it can reach everybody with God's plan. And so when God calls us out in my life, in your life, in Moses' life, when God calls us out, even if it seems like it's intimidating and it's scary and it's just too big for us, there's also this level of excitement. There's a spark that ignites because we know that there's something that we have a chance to be a part of that's just so much bigger than who we are. It's the reason why people are so excited to get involved with charitable events. It's, it's the reason why you'll donate your birthday on Facebook for people to not get you presents and to instead donate money to your favorite charity because you realize that you can help somebody. You realize that you can be a part of something bigger than just who you are. It's the reason that every single one of you are at church on Labor Day weekend instead of on the boat, on the river, or at the beach somewhere, right? Because you realize somewhere, maybe you've not articulated it and maybe it hasn't all really made sense and clicked for you yet, but you realize that by being here, you're a part of something bigger than just you. It's the reason that you sign up to serve on a direction team and get here early to set out chairs or to make coffee or to shake hands or to hand out bulletins or to watch kids or to help with students or whatever it is that you do. It's the reason why. It's because we want to be a part of something so much bigger. We are not satisfied in our lives with boring and mundane. We were created with the purpose to be a part of God's plan to draw humanity to him. And so as scary as it is, intimidating as it is for Moses to be called out and say, Moses, you're going to lead this whole 2.5 million people out of slavery and into the wilderness, and you're going to get to where, you're going to get them to where I've called them to go to this promised land. He also realized that this was a chance to join God's bigger plan for his life. And so there's something that speaks to Moses. When God speaks to Moses, there's something that just ignites in him as, as intimidating as it seems. It's exciting at the same time. But even though that is true for us as well, how quickly when God calls us to do something big for him, we start filling our minds with doubt. How quickly do we start backing up? Even though there's something about God's call for our lives that draws us in, we push back because of doubt. We push back because of all of the reasons that we can't do that in the natural. I love in, in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11, which we read and it'll be back on the screen, I love Moses' response because it's so honest. Moses' response after God tells him the whole plan, listen, Moses, I know that my people are slaves. You're going to go. You're going to talk to the king. You're going to talk to Pharaoh. He's going to let them go. You're going to lead them into the promised land. And this is Moses' response. Who am I? Who am I? Almost like, God, do you have the right person? Do you understand who you're talking to right now? Did you get me confused with somebody else that's qualified and capable to do this huge thing that you're asking me to do? Who am I? I'm not enough. I'm nobody. I can't do this. I don't have the skill set required. I can't even speak well. I stutter when I speak, is what Moses says later on in the conversation with God. He's listing out all of these reasons why he can't. Who am I? I am not good enough. Isn't that the same question that we ask of God when he asks us to do big things for him? Well, who am I? You have the wrong person. Are you sure this is me? You want me to do this? You want me to be a part of this thing that you're doing in the world? Who am I? And I can't help but think that Moses is pointing back to and referring to his past experiences and his past. Because if you know anything about Moses, you know that his life was anything but ordinary up until that moment. Now, he had settled into kind of this mundane, humdrum life, but before that, his life was pretty dramatic. 
In fact, Moses was born as an Israelite during this time frame of slavery, and he was born in a time when there was a law on the books that any male born as an Israelite was to be killed immediately. The king was worried about overpopulation. The king, the pharaoh, at the time, he was worried that there were so many Israelites and they were being very fruitful and multiplying and their numbers were growing like crazy. He was afraid that at any moment they could just rise up, revolt, and take over the entire Egyptian population. And so his idea of population control was murder. And so Moses is born. Moses should be, according to the law of the land at that time, should be killed. His mom can't do it, and so she devises this plan. She makes this basket waterproof, puts the baby in this waterproof basket, sets it off down the river, hoping and praying that somebody will find this baby boy and that they can adopt him and bring him into their family and he won't have to be executed. That's exactly what happens, except it's not just anybody. It ends up that the daughter of the king, the princess herself, finds Moses, brings him into their family and adopts him. And so he grows up in the lap of luxury. He grows up being educated and being uh, you know, a part of royalty and knowing the ins and outs of governmental procedure and all of the things that happen behind the scenes in this powerful nation of Egypt. But he's still inside. He still knows in his heart he's still an Israelite. And so he's walking one day and he sees this Egyptian taskmaster, this slave driver, and he's beating this Israelite man. And he just is furious. And so he goes over and just in a blind rage, he beats this Egyptian to death, buries his body. He thinks he gets away with it. People saw him. He is now a fugitive and he just runs. He takes off. He knows if he stays, he's going to die. And so he just takes off into the wilderness. And through a set of circumstances, he ends up as the, uh, the son-in-law of, of this priest. And that's where we find him. And so as Moses is, is looking into this burning bush and he's hearing God's voice come from it, and the bush is not being consumed, it's this miraculous thing that's happening, and God says, you're the one, I'm calling you. And Moses says, who am I? I'm pretty sure he's pointing back to all those things, saying, God, you know where I came from, right? You know I'm only here right now because I killed somebody and I'm a fugitive, I'm on the run, right? You know that I was like adopted and so I was technically Egyptian for a while, and so I, I don't know what that does to our relationship, God, but I'm pretty sure that skews some things. And so you, you, like, who am I? Who am I because of all of this stuff in my past? But what Moses wasn't realizing is that when God calls us out, he uses all the parts of our lives that seem worthless to accomplish his will. Because think about Moses' past and think about when God shows up and calls him out. You ready? So Moses was born an Israelite and he was so passionate about his people that he was willing to kill someone to save one of his own. I would say that that's some pretty extreme empathy. I would say that's somebody that understands firsthand the struggle that his people have been living and existing for the last 400 years. Plus, he was adopted and he was Egyptian and he was royalty and so he knew exactly how the framework and the structure worked of that uh, whole entire nation, their government, their procedures, the pomp and circumstance, everything that it would take to to stand in front of Pharaoh himself and the things to say to Pharaoh himself to understand that culture in a way that nobody else, no other Israelite could have that kind of firsthand knowledge of that. And then he goes and he runs out in the wilderness and starts wandering around. I don't know if you know anything about the rest of Moses' life, but he's going to get really good at wandering, right? And so he's got some practice at this point in his life. And so you've got this Israelite that's passionate about Israel. You've got this Israelite that also knows everything about the behind-the-scenes work of Egyptian culture and royalty. And then you've got somebody that knows how to be gone in the wilderness and survive for long periods of time. And so when God calls him out 
And God says, listen, you're going to be the one to do this. Moses looks at all those reasons and says, who am I? That disqualifies me. And God says, no, those are all the things that qualify you to do exactly what I'm asking you to do. It's easy for us to look back in our past and see all of the mistakes that we've made and all the failures and all the times that we've messed up, all the things that we've done and all the things that have been done to us that we're not crazy about. And it's easy to say, well, God can't use me because of all of those things. And somebody in this room needs to hear that your past does not disqualify you from God's call on your life. God has a plan, God has a purpose, and he has a destiny for you that's in your heart. And when he calls you out, he calls that out of you. He calls that out of me. And so all the things that Moses thought disqualified him were all the things that God was using all these years to get him to the place where he could say yes. It were all the things that got him to this place where he was able to say, I am able to say yes to God because God has been planting destiny into my life for years and years and years and years. And what Moses figures out and what we've got to come to the knowledge of is that when God calls us, he calls out of us what he has already placed in us. When God calls you to do something bigger than you, When God calls me, when God calls Moses, he's not calling to our abilities. He's calling to the destiny that he has planted in our hearts and in our lives already. And if you're in this room today and you feel like, man, maybe some of the things that God is calling you to do, you're just not capable. There's no way that you can do it. It's just so much bigger than you. Well, congratulations, because that's exactly where God wants us to be. God loves taking not enough and making more than enough. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So our weakness, the places that we're not good enough, that's where God can really start to work. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. It's not up to us to figure out the whole plan. It's not up to us when God calls us out to know exactly how he's going to make it happen. It's not up to Moses in this moment to to, to figure out all the miracles that have to take place from the burning bush until they're free uh, in the wilderness. He's not going to be able to figure all that out. We can't figure out every single step of God's will when he calls us out. But if we'll just say yes to the call, he will figure out the next step, and he'll reveal it to us when we're ready. When God calls us out, it is not about me. It's all about him. I love how when Moses responds to God's question of, hey, I I need you to do this, and he says, who am I? A few verses later, Moses asks, hey, when I go to these people and I tell them that God sent me, who am I supposed to call you? What's your name? And and God responds with, I am. And so Moses' question is, who am I because this is so much bigger than me? Who am I because of my past? Who am I? I'm not good enough. Who am I? God's response to the who am I question is, I am. You're not good enough, but I am. You're not enough, but I am. All I need you to do is just say yes. All I need you to do is take the first step. All I need you to do is just go all in. You don't have to see the end. You just have to see the beginning. Philippians 1.6 says this, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I love that the same God that's speaking through a burning bush is the same God a couple chapters later that's splitting the sea wide open. 
and allowing them to walk on dry ground. He's the same God that provided manna from heaven so that they could eat while they were in the wilderness. And even before that, he was the same God that brought these 10 miracles, these 10 plagues to show just how serious he was and backed up every word that Moses said because he was speaking on God's behalf. God will finish it if you will start it. So what is God calling you to do today? How is God calling you out? Maybe you showed up and maybe you wish you wouldn't have even heard the sermon, right? Maybe ignorance is bliss. Because maybe during the sermon, something just kind of pinged in your heart and you're like, oh yeah, that's what God wants me to do. Like I've been fighting it and I've been pushing back because I realized that God's trying to get me over here. God's been trying to, to drop some, some you know, knowledge to me, some wisdom to me, some truth to me, but I've been kind of pushing back and I've been ignoring it. I encourage you to stop ignoring it and lean into it today and just answer the question, what do you feel like God is calling you out to do? What is God calling you out into this morning? What does that look like for you? I can't tell you because I don't know. You're the only one that can know that. And maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, I, I don't know. I don't even know what to listen for. I don't see any burning bushes when I go home. There's no shrubs catching fire and talking to me. So if God could just do that, it'd be super easy for me to know what he wants me to do with my life. First of all, you would run far and fast, so you'd never even hear what he said, right? But, but there's no obvious signs like that. God wants to speak to us all the time. We just have to be willing to listen. So what is it that God wants to say to you? What is he speaking to you? What is he calling you out into? Maybe for you, it has something to do with your occupation. Maybe for you, it's a, it's a job change or to interview for a new position at, job, at your job that you've been kind of pushing back. You say, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that. All these other people are in line over me. Maybe for you, it's, it's some kind of a, an idea that you had a long time ago to start a business. This may not be your idea. Maybe this is God trying to get you there. And it might be uncomfortable and it might be tough and it might be difficult because of financial circumstances and you're kind of stepping out into nothing, but you feel strongly and you know in your heart that God's calling you to do this. What is God calling you to do? Maybe he's just calling you to be a little bit more bold about your faith where you work, with the people that you work next to, that you're shoulder to shoulder with all the time, that may not even know that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It might sound small, but maybe for you at your home, God has been trying to get you and calling you out to start some intentional family devotions. Sit down as a family and read God's word and discover what he has for your lives as a family together and strengthen your family that way. Is he calling you out to do that? Is, is God calling you out to maybe get more involved at Destiny Community Church? You've been kind of sitting back on the sidelines just watching, seeing what's happening, but you feel this tug, you feel this, this pull to get more involved and to start coming more often or to start coming to more things or to, to sign up and serve in one of our teams. What, what does that look like for you? What is God calling you out into? Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to give up a bad habit or to give up a vice. Maybe it's to, to uh, give financially somewhere in your life to, into the kingdom. Maybe it's to support a cause. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip. What, what is it in your life that you feel like God is calling you out? For some of you, as I'm talking about it, you know it. You already know what it is. Some of you can point back to the times in your life where you've answered the call yes. And it's strengthened your faith, faith because of that. But where is God calling you out? Because here's what I know, is that when God shows up and God calls us out, I know that we have already been hardwired with a desire and a propensity to say yes, because we want to be involved with whatever God is doing. 
As humbling as it is, we want to be involved in his grand plan for humanity. So I know you've been hardwired to say yes, and here's what I also know. I know that God is only calling out of you what he's already put in you. You're not enough. You're never going to be enough. But if you submit you're not enough to him, he'll make that more than enough. So the response this morning is the same response that I talked about at the very beginning. When God comes to us and God shows up and he calls us out, there's two choices that we have. Yes, no. Obedience, disobedience. Stay on the same path that we're at or be bold, be courageous like Moses and choose to answer the call that God has placed on our lives to say yes. What does that look like for you? Where is that place in your life that God's calling you out? And are you willing to say yes this morning? Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.